Hello everybody, welcome to Tic Tac Talk. This week we're going to talk about Amazon and AIs. I'm Rob. I'm Candace. And thanks for listening to us. Uh, so before we get into our uh, course matter, first just want to touch on the Galaxy Note 7 recall. Yeah, I feel like it wouldn't be a great, we wouldn't be fulfilling our full duty as technology podcast hosts if we didn't talk about um, the series of events that have transpired around uh, Samsung's flagship phone and kind of the issues. And so for anyone who hasn't really been following the news and stuff, I think about a month ago there was a couple of reports of Galaxy Note 7 phones um, catching on fire uh, on airplanes in certain places. But you know, I guess maybe before that too, the Galaxy Note 7 is one of their most premier flagships. They're kind of the pioneers of the uh, phablet phone. Um, and so this is kind of their main phone to rise their profit margins, kind of rise back into uh, Android dominance. And um, so it's kind of big news already that the phone's caught on fire. At first, there's a couple of isolated cases, but then it escalates to about, I believe, 90 cases before Samsung really acknowledged that there was a problem. Mm. Um, and then what they did was they had this kind of this recall, but they wouldn't use the word recall. Um, and they had very, very shady communication with carriers. People were bringing in phones, not sure whether or not they were going to get another one or getting some type of replacement that wasn't comparable. And so now... There have been six or seven cases, as reported by The Verge, which will include a link to the article, that um, the replacement phones are catching on fire. And uh, so now they've uh, issued a complete global recall, and they're, they've stopped production of this phone. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. It almost reads kind of like a soap opera. Like, reviewers were saying the Galaxy Note 7 is the best phone they've ever made. It's so good. Samsung's finally, you know, delivering the phone we always wanted. And then they're like, you know, their baby, they're great phone it just falls yeah. from greatness and you know there we go it's Do you really think... unfortunate and the timing couldn't be worse with the pixel phone and exactly the iPhone 7. that's like the first big question so like how many people do you think now will be burned enough by this experience this fear of their phone catching on fire where um they switch to another manufacturer do you think a lot of them will switch to the galaxy s7 edge which is really the only difference is the lack of s pen slightly slower but or do they jump ship I mean, it's hard to say. Um, I think Samsung is offering, um, they're offering you a rebate as well as um, a, a um, an SD card or a couple other little accessories if you stick with Samsung and get another phone. So, like, there is an incentive to stay with Samsung, which I think is appealing to people. Um, Would it be enough for you? If you bought this flagship phone for a company um, that you've really enjoyed, you, you followed all the procedures, you got it recalled, you got a new one. And now you hear reports of it being catching on fire still, and then you have to return it. Do you stay with the company? So I guess, let me put it to you this way. If I had purchased a Note 7 and mine caught on fire, I would definitely leave. Yeah. If I hadn't, though, if I'm being realistic, mm-hmm. I probably, like, assuming I like the phone, would probably stick with Samsung. Mm-hmm. Just because, um, you know, if I liked it, and that $100 in there and stuff, and the SD card, like, you know, I, I say this... Again, and this is also like me, you know, I've, I've probably followed Samsung longer than some other people, but like I know their other phones are pretty solid, they have good reviews, and um, if a Samsung phone was my phone of choice, yeah. then I feel like I, I probably would, but um, you know, conversely, like I could definitely see a lot of people, and I've heard from people, you know, they're like, well, I don't want to get a Samsung. Or oh, people said that. I think people who are definitely more uh, out of the loop. Yeah. That's that's kind of like the public consensus. I, at least that's my impression. I want to say, like, aside from people who have iPhones and people who love 
you know, Apple's branding. I think the next group of really loyal smartphone brand loyalists are is Samsung and with the Note line and the uh, the S series. So on one side, I want to say that them wanting to switch off is very, very difficult and intense. The same way that it would really take a lot for us probably to switch off of platforms at this point since we're pretty content with our iPhones. But on the other hand, like the way they handled this recall and how they were kind of non-communicative um, and not really focused purely on customer safety like it escalated to the point where they had a second recall they didn't properly discover what the reason was and you know they put a lot of people in danger like one melted through uh, the floor of an airplane and the plane had to like not take off and had to be repaired for the damage yeah i mean there's no getting around the fact that this recall could have gone smoother i remember i think we argued before (laughs) in the early stages like oh you know they're kind of doing the thing but i think it became pretty clear to me over time um and i guess you initially that this recall wasn't handled that great. Um, I've actually heard that like part of that might be like a cultural difference between the U.S. and yeah. South Korea, um, which is unfortunate. But um, yeah, needless to say, the recall has not gone well. Um, I I still feel like, and um, I believe our producer actually mentioned um, some some friends close to her had purchased the Note Seven and were still interested in keeping it, and that is why you know they are loyal, like you stated. Yeah. So I think people will still stick with them. Um, I think you know it may or. They may be pulled by the Pixel and the iPhone 7, but uh, I think if you're really a devout Samsung fan and yeah. you bought this because you wanted a Note 7 and not just because you wanted, like, you know, an iPhone killer or, like, some cool phone or that you bought into that kind of hype, yeah. um, I think if you were a diehard Samsung fan, you'll probably stay with them. But um, for a general consumer... Um, That's my next question for you, right? Like, what do they do next? Do they go back to the drawing board, come out with the Galaxy Note 8, and hopefully this, like, mental association that... Honestly, like, the general public heard from every, you know, local to major news station, Galaxy Note, Galaxy Note, fire, fire, explosion. It's, like, almost become an inside joke with a lot of people when you mention that brand and that name. The Note is one of their most valuable um, assets as a brand, but do they go back and release the 8 and hope that people forget and remember it's a 7, or do they start up a whole new uh, series? Um, I think it's a tough call. I guess if I was Samsung, I feel like there's still a lot of clout with the eight i mean you know look at like uh cars like if they have one model that's like prone to accident like um wasn't it the toyota corolla mm-hmm. they have the pedal issue and it would stick down yeah, and, crash. Yeah. and they're still making the corolla um so i'm not sure if it's you know the corolla's been around forever like i'm not yeah. sure if it's quite reached that level of um consumer trust where the Corolla was kind of you know mm-hmm. it was dismissed as a fluke mm-hmm. but um i think i think the note's pretty well established yeah. As far as Samsung phones go, I think, you know, it, it would probably use itself for them. I think if their other phones are still selling well, they'll probably stick with it. But, um, you know, I, I have no doubt they're probably going to take a hit from the general public. Yeah. What do you think, though? What do you think would be the right way to handle it? They're, like, they're going pretty high in the iterations of the phones. So, like, I feel like this actually might be a silver lining for them to make a new brand name, a new, if, if anything, to kind of merge the two brands, right? Like, they have the S series, and then especially with the S7 Edge and their Edge phones, it got really close onto the same territory of the Note, where it's similar screen size, and they're known for being the most powerful, fastest Android phones. If they kind of just start a whole new line where it does include the S Pen, but have the edge dead screen, and it's this one iteration, they could really focus on making this the main flagship to compete against the Pixel and the iPhone. Um, that's just one general sense, but there is so much clout with the Note, and it, they were really the pioneers and the, the engineers of this social acceptance of large phones. So I don't know. Um, I just know that if you say Galaxy Note to someone like our parents or people who don't follow technology, their first association, their first joke is, oh, isn't that the one that catches on fire? (laughs) 
And I know a lot of other phones from other manufacturers have that same issue, you know, with Bengate, Antenna Gate. But I think this is a lot more severe, you know. This mm. is a hazard. Like, when you went on an airplane, they ask you to power it down. And now, uh, as reported by The Verge, it's completely banned on all um, airlines and airplanes. Mm. So, I don't know. I think it takes some time for them to mm. evaluate. But it might be a good opportunity for them to pivot into something new. You know, being Samsung, making less devices hasn't exactly been their strategy. But um, I, I agree. It's a good opportunity for them to pivot. And I think that would be a good Um, Maybe a chance for them to edit their portfolio devices. Or even bring the S Pen to a smaller device, right? Like release, you know, they can call it the Samsung uh, Scribble. Notebook. (laughs) Scribble, and then there's the normal version, and then you can follow the same naming pattern as the Plus or XL. And so everyone in your product line gets the awesome benefits of the S Pen. It's a new brand name, but all the major benefits, and it's kind of unified. Hmm. So we'll see. Definitely hard to say. But if you have a note, be sure to get that recalled. Yeah, power it down. Um, I think they're sending out fireproof boxes that you can use to return it. Bring it back to a carrier. Uh, and kind of consider your choices. It might be a great time for you to try new brands, new products, um, or get an S7 Edge if you're really inclined. But keep in mind that that's been out for six months or so. So great time to shop around. Mm. So moving on to our main topic, um, Amazon. Uh, we haven't talked a lot about Amazon on this podcast, but mm-hmm. recently with their Amazon Music Service and some of the stuff they've been doing with the Echo, um, they've become a really interesting company. Uh, I think, you know, a couple of years ago, I mean, they've always had the Kindle tablets and there was the Fire Phone, but primarily mm-hmm. they were a online store that sold some cool hardware where you could also buy things. But, you know, with the Echo, and um, I think the Music Service is kind of reaffirming a lot of this vision, mm-hmm. they're trying to be, uh, I, I think, a platform on par with Google or Apple or Microsoft. Um, I'd say... I guess Facebook too, so, you know, the, the fifth big player in that space. And not that they haven't been yeah. a player in that space, but their presence is definitely much more much more known, especially as, um, you know, Google's copying them with Google Home, and then you have all these other streaming services. Like, they're definitely pushing into new territories and keeping up with the other players in ways that I feel like I haven't seen before. Yeah, I think the conversation we had um, not recording is, like, we haven't realized how pervasive their services have been in our lives. Um, All of us here are Amazon Prime subscribers um, for a duration, especially with the student discount and stuff. But, like, I pretty much order everything off of Amazon. You know, when we have boxes pile up, it's always from Amazon. But I'm also a Kindle subscriber. And um, just the idea of, like, this music service and even their video selection is pretty good. Mm -hmm. I'm looking through their free Prime music where, you know, you get a, a limited selection of the library. Um, it's not, you know, like your mom and dad's hits. It's like current music that you would want to listen to and even previous exclusives like Adele's 25. So I think it's like one of those things where they've been really quiet about it and kind of entering our daily use. But like, especially with the Echo and the conversations we've been having, um, Amazon's a big player and I think it would be it would be dumb to kind of sleep on them. Mm. I mean, if you look at, um, I think it's really interesting actually if you look at their earnings reports or their... Um, their stock price, mm-hmm. like the value of Amazon is is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. How much overvalue they are compared to what they actually earn in. Yeah. Um, and I think that kind of speaks to the company. You know, they have the largest network, I think, in terms of commerce. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely bigger than eBay, which I think has to be their closest competitor in that space, at least for online. Maybe Jet now is coming along, but Amazon dominates online retail, I think yeah. I'd say. So they have that. And then they have this Prime membership, and now they're expanding Prime to... Um, almost every piece of content. I mean, you have video, music, books. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody else really does books like they do. It's 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 pretty incredible how they can provide so much for this membership. And it's almost like 
Um, you know, when people describe Amazon Music and like, oh, it's only seven ninety nine, and people are like, well, with Prime, you know, it's another eighty dollars. But it's interesting, on the other hand, that they don't mention Prime because it's almost like an assumption, like it's like an internet pass. Like everybody has Amazon Prime, yeah, who's browsing the internet and doing these things. Um, and I will admit, I have it too. You know, it's a, it's a good value. Like you get a lot out of it. So um, it's pretty interesting, and especially as their network grows, I guess it is foreseeable their value will grow because their cost per user will. Yeah, exactly. And even like how they want to overtake um, delivery methods, right? Like one of their biggest frustrations is like late packages, but that's always because of their partner couriers, right? Mm -hmm. And now they have the things with the drones and all their own fleet. Most of my packages now that get delivered on the weekends aren't from UPS or USPS. It's the Amazon branded trucks that come. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they've had some consistency issues, but I think it's just early growing pains. But at some point, they will not have to pay a third party to deliver their packages, whether it be drone or through the vans or fleet. So I think... Um, their revenues and their income will, will continue to rise with that network growing as well. Um, but maybe the one thing that kind of surprised me was when the Echo first came out, right? Like you never really saw Amazon as a pioneer in these types of services. We never saw them as the forefront of AI digital assistant, right? We left that for Google. We left that for Cortana. We left that for Siri. Um, but the Echo has kind of turned into like this cult following, right? There's like this really devout group of users. Why do you think that is? Yeah, um, the Echo is really interesting. You know, I, I remember when I first saw it, I was kind of like, what? Yeah, I was <laughs> It was like, kind of weird, but um, I, we touched on this a little bit last time. Like, there are people who really, really use theirs religiously. Um, and I know you just ordered some, so we'll definitely have a more informed um, yeah, I'm excited. perspective later. But um, I don't know. I think it, it kind of just shows that Amazon's willing to take risks, try new things. Um, you know, even going back to the Fire Phone, I, I saw one person in real life with a Fire Phone. When? Um, where actually, the, where yeah, was at a, it? At um, Accepted Students Day here, actually. It was a mother. Oh my god! Like like recently? Uh, last year. Oh my god! It was really weird. She was like she, she's like I regret getting it, but but it was interesting. Like, there's how much she was on a two year contract with it too. <laughs> oh god. But you know, fire phone jokes aside, I think that and the Echo kind of show Amazon's willingness to just try things. Yeah. Like nobody else sells tablets like they do, like in six packs, and nobody else sells you know like phones with that crazy array of cameras and those three D effects and like the um. I think it was called the Firefly mode where you could like scan something and buy it. Like it was genuinely cool and interesting tech there. Um, execution was meh. Yeah. But like, you know, I think it, going on that same strategy, the Echo is a logical next step. Like the Echo was really category defining in a lot of ways. It is. Yeah. Um, and the way they've been able to integrate with so many services, the value of the Echo has really increased over time. I mean, now it's a smart home hub and you can play music on it. Like, um, you know, it, it, every day it's like it's getting better. You can call rides on it. It's like... You can order pizza. You can order pizza. It's like a home computer, in a sense. Yeah, exactly. I think what Amazon's great at is they're willing to take a risk. And um, on product categories like the phone, the fire stick, and those, like, extra projects. And um, even from the perspective of students, like, they hire a lot of engineers. Like, it's not probably... Maybe it's really growing as a presence, but I, you know, five, year, five years ago, never really thought them to be a hub for really, really engaged computer scientists building these technologies, right? I just saw them as some type of e-commerce. And so what they've invested in the Echo and willing to take that risk, it looked ridiculous when it first came out, but I know their willingness to allow third-party APIs is what really allowed them to grow. And the execution of Alexa and the listening aspect, already I want to argue, and it'll probably go, it'll kind of go into what we'll discuss later from Walt Mossberg's column, is really, I think, really beat a lot of aspects of Siri, um, a lot of people I know own iPhones and like they are frustrated by Siri. And so they have this 
always hot, always listening speaker that they can consistently use. And so it resides in their home and it's been um, really worthwhile for them as a purchase. Mm. Um, I don't know if you want to go off the Echo yet, but I have some some opinions yeah. on that. Um, I have not tried the Echo a lot, but mm. um, I've tried Cortana and Google Now and Siri. And I feel like some others actually. Maybe I have tried Alexa and like some other device or like I think that like in the app. Yeah. Um, and I feel like they're all pretty good. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's a lot of hype around AI right now. Um, and I know a lot of people are saying like, you know, it's the future. It's going there. And I, I completely agree. Like I definitely think it is the future. And like I think um, a system like like her, that was super cool. Yeah. Or, like yeah. that Disney movie where the house is, has a voice and talks to you. Like, a smart home. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Like I think it's definitely the future. But um, – in Walt's column, he talks about how Siri is falling behind and points to people like Google, Google's new assistant, um, Cortana, not so much, but Amazon definitely as kind of leaders in the space. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would argue, um, yeah, kind of along, um, in agreement with John Gruber actually, that Siri and the others are kind of all in the same place. I mean, I, I think there's some that are definitely better things, and I think Google definitely has one of the strongest assistants. But I think for the most part, these assistants are, you know, they're they're not, um, what's that, maybe that word? Um, they lack, like, kind of intuition, I think is the right word for mm-hmm. it. And by intuition, I mean, like, these assistants can do, um, you know, kind of like pre-programmed tasks, even yeah. Google Now. Like, you ask it for facts, or you can ask it to integrate with other apps and services, and it'll do those. Mm-hmm. But if you want to ask it something where it would have to, like, go out and get information, um, you know, where it might not know, but, like, kind of do some research. Like, if I ask Google Now to, I don't know, maybe ask ask you for something like, Hey, could you, um, or could you get me the name of Candace's, um, could you give me Candace's brother's phone number for just for an example? Yeah. Um, or, or something like that. I don't know. There's like, there's a lot of limitations. And, yeah. I mean, I was, you know, and this isn't like to bash anyone, like it's just a limitation of the technology of AI. Definitely. But I think, um, even with, um, Echo, like Amazon Echo and Alexa, like that's actually one of the main criticisms, especially for that one. It's a little bit more limited in understanding context. Um, uh, yeah, I think at this point where it's you, you both have to train the echo and the user, and the end goal, the uh, vision we have is having like natural freeform conversation. I think we're getting closer um, with Microsoft showing um, their bot interface and kind of acting as a smart interface, and especially with Google and what they showed um, last week in the event. But I still think that I still think there is still competition, and uh, I still think Siri is falling behind. Like I'm sure if we want to go into the article now, but like. There was, like, the idea of, like, long-tail concepts. And, like, even with the pre-programmed reference questions or the pre-programmed task, it's not as consistent. And maybe it's because there's a lack of consistency with the syntax that I use. Um, but I've had – I have very similar feelings and expectations as Walt Mossberg. So, okay, so you're saying, like, um, so Siri doesn't um, recognize your questions as readily. Like, it's, it has a stricter dialogue than, say, Google's AI? It, it's a two-pronged problem. So for maybe – so let's say for, like, the Alexa, right? So there's data entry and, like, transcribing mm-hmm. it into data and then the actual processing and delivery of, of the data itself. That's, like, two main things, yeah. right? I want to argue that Siri is probably the weakest in both. Alexa, I think, is really weak in the entry part, you have to use very predefined syntax. And I think the, I think Google overall is strongest in both. I've had the best consistency. I haven't used Alexa, but that's what I've heard from experience and I would like to try out. I think Siri's main issue is like, it's not really great at anything. Um, it's not consistent when you ask reference questions. Um, the service is always out, like even in the early days where it couldn't connect to the server, I still get that and it's 2016. And uh, even like that basic question, we're asking when the presidential debate is, 
Um, the only consistency of queries of the web that I can get from it is sports teams, but even its response is very canned, very long, and it's like not very intelligent in what it brings back to me. Mm. Um, I think that's fair. I guess what I was more saying is like, mm-hmm. in terms of you know, in terms of the data they have to access, obviously they're different, and you know, Google being their core business is getting yeah. data. Obviously, is going to have some of the best data. And, you know, that allows to have kind of like you said, like a long tail, like they can access all the stuff. But um, I think what I'm more saying is mm-hmm. like from a pure functionality standpoint, yeah, I feel like all these assistants um, and again, like yeah. usage um, aside, like like assuming they all work 100 percent of the time, which yeah. is not true, but assuming they all work perfectly every time. Yeah, I feel like functionally they're all they're all have a lot of the even. same limitations. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, they're all kind of even. So. When he says it's 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 behind, um, I think it's I guess just, I can't say no, but I, I'd say not by that much. Yeah, but like there's that gap, and like I think a lot of it comes with the trust and consistency, right? Like you, if you can't 100% rely on this product giving you what you need, in like these short-term bursts, then you're less inclined to use it, and you're gonna look for a solution that's more consistent. And I think that's like, for me, if. If Siri worked all the time on my iPad and my iPhone and my watch and that hot command always worked, I wouldn't even be looking at these other solutions, right? It's like it's pushed me to this point where I get frustrated if I'm looking for that interfaceless voice commanding assistant that's always on that I'm looking at things like the Google Home and the Amazon Echo. Um, But yeah, in an ideal world where it did work, um, it just worked on my phone, (laughs) but not on my iPad or on my watch. Well, that's what you wanted, right? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, like... there's so many deeper frustrations and there was so much hope and Siri was one of those first um, entries into virtual assistants. Like, I don't know where the stagnation is and I don't know if it's a source of their stance on privacy and they're not really digging deeply in data or just the lack of development and care. Mm. I I, um, I can't speak, for, I guess I've had better experiences with Siri and stuff like that personally. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like it's been pretty consistent for me, but yeah. um, again, you know, everybody's voice is different. I, I think, you know, maybe you could say like Siri doesn't have, uh, maybe I'm like better, I, I see different, I don't know what it is, but yeah. I have pretty good experiences, but um, I definitely have kind of mixed with the watch too, so I understand where you're coming from. Um, uh, I guess for me also the other thing, and I kind of touched upon this last time too, but I feel like you talked about like this desire to have a frictionless voice assistant with you. Mm-hmm. And for me, like I don't feel the, um, the functionality has overcome like the social stigma. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like I, um, well, I feel even weird not even in the home. Like if I'm just setting a timer, it takes a couple tries for me to get the timer working. I'm standing in my own kitchen yelling at my watch or yelling at my phone and I can't get my two minute timer timer for my French press set. That is extremely frustrating. No, totally. And, like, I'm, I am I totally agree with that. And, like, I, I agree that, like, when things don't work, it's an obvious reason yeah. to kind of shy away from them and not want to use it. But, like, assuming they all worked, yeah. like, I, you know, whisper to my watch, set a timer for 30 minutes. Yeah. When I'm, like, doing my laundry in my dorm because, like, I don't want to draw attention to myself. Like, I, yeah. I do it because I left my phone in my room or my hands are full with, like, the laundry basket. Yeah. But, like, you know, does it work? Most of the time I'll say yes, but not every time. Like, the functionality is definitely not as good as if I just typed it myself, for example. Mm But I think what's limiting it also is kind of like, I don't really want to do it. Like, I still feel like it's a little weird. And not even like I feel weird saying it. I feel like people will look at me and be like, why is he doing that? Like, or like, either like it's weird or like almost like showing off, I want to say. Yeah. Like, 
Not that that's really something to show off because most people have a digital assistant with them nowadays, but I just feel like there is a social yeah, connotation. Definitely. I don't have the one like walking around and yelling into the phone to do things. And most of the time it's in the privacy of my own home and I my hands are busy, I'm cooking something, or my hands are full. Um, but my question is, like, I think maybe I'll have a hypothesis. It will become more socially acceptable. And I think mm-hmm. one major sign of doing that is on the new AirPods that are coming out at the end of the month. There is really no other interface with the headphones aside from a double tap on the speaker to interact with Siri. No volume controls, no pause play. Like, Apple is forcing you. And, like, we can say, like, oh, we have the watch and the phone. You're right. Like, we have those conveniences. But even if you didn't have, a f- like, the phone with you or it was far away, the only interface is through Siri. Mm-hmm. And so, like, if they become as prevalent, maybe hopefully they will, as the traditional wired AirPods that we see all the time, the earbuds we see all the time, you know, it could be more socially acceptable that you're, like, walking around talking to yourself. I, I hope it does. Yes. Yeah. I definitely hope it does. And I think it is foreseeable that it could. I have to say, though, I actually, like, one of my favorite things about the Apple Watch, and I guess it would go for Google Wear, too, or any mm-hmm. wearables, but the concept of, like, talking into a watch is kind of socially acceptable because it's been on, like, TV shows and yeah. so forth. And, like, you know, Buzz Lightyear is a communicator, and I That's think Dick true. Tracy has his, too. So um, this is, I guess, kind of a little aside, but, like, I do think that is socially acceptable in some sense, even mm-hmm. though, like, I still feel like there's a little bit of an exclusivity, exclusivity yeah. element to it when people see you doing that. It's like, oh, this is Apple Watch. I think but. the watch is more exclusive. I'll argue that because we've had Bluetooth headphones and just, like, headphones with a mic and people talking into them for many years more than mm-hmm. having the Apple Watch. So, like, the, I think the reason why they did that design on the AirPods with the, the, the microphone and it kind of looks like you just snapped the cord off. I think it's two things. It's, like, the function of it having the microphone closer to your mouth and it's clear. But I think it's also to, like, hopefully show people that when you're talking and you look like a mad person, like, they'll see the stem sticking out. Yeah, that's true. If there was no stem at all and, like, it's just, like, a little white puck or something, you, you, you would have no idea who they're talking you would, to. I think we would both, even as um, early adopters of technology, would have this, like, social implementation, like, like, this issue with us mm-hmm. adopting it, right? I think the stems are there for two, like, multifaceted reasons. Um... But I hope it gets more acceptable. Like, I sometimes see people talking on their phones and they're using the earbuds. Um, I think it will be more acceptable. I think the watch is still, I think it is still showing off. Kind of being yeah. like, oh, look what my watch can do. <laughs> but but when that gets more acceptable, hopefully yeah, better. And, like, which watch, with WatchOS 3, it has become better. Like, yeah. it's still definitely hit or miss, but I, I do feel pretty cool when I do. <laughs> Answering phone calls while washing dishes on my watch has been one of my favorite things. Or even yeah. sometimes driving. Like, my microphone in my car isn't great, so I prefer actually answering on my watch. And one thing, you know, while we're talking about kind of current events and AI and Amazon stuff, like, I think it's really interesting how wearables were so hot in 2015 mm-hmm. and 2014 and really have kind of taken, you know, the back of the... They're not really in vogue anymore. They're not really in the spotlight mm-hmm. like they were in the past. And, like, you know... There's not really big developments. I mean, Apple had Apple Watch Series 2, which is a nice iteration, adds yeah. more fitness stuff. And then you see uh, Android Wear, which has delayed their second version of the operating system. Yeah, to like and the, the scariest thing is there, year. there wasn't even extreme outrage about the delay, right? Like the first thing, Google yeah. thought it was okay, and they probably were delayed for multiple reasons. And then like the public was just like, meh. Yeah, imagine if they delayed KitKat or um, what was it related to a nougat? Like, who would be like pulling out their hair? Even the Chromecast, the Pixel phone, anything else. Like, I think definitely Android Wear has definitely fallen behind on their priority. And there list. was no mention, or if there was a mention, I missed it at their conference. Like, I didn't see any yeah. press coverage of it. No, that that was like a very obvious thing. Like, they forgot, and there was no new hardware, and like you couldn't buy something new to pair with your Pixel. Like, yeah. a lot of the design and stuff, like, there could be really great iteration on Google Wear. But, I think um, that's also super interesting because, like, and I agree, like, the headphones as an interface is good, but I feel like a wearable as an interface 
is also very good because, you know, the thing about headphones is, like, there are situations where you're not going to want to have them in. Mm-hmm. Like, you might have them in your bag or something like that. Like, this is always on you. That's true. And I feel like the biggest potential of wearables is the interface for digital assistants. And, like, I don't think it's there. Yeah. But I think as microphones get better and smaller devices, as the transcription gets better, as the oh, yeah. capabilities get higher, I think it's a very convenient location for it. I still think there's... I think the main reason why they haven't invested in that is there's just a, a bigger social stigma of raising your arm to your mouth and talking to it. Mm. I think that that's why there's the, that real investment in having something that you, when you are wearing in your ears, you can just speak to it directly. I think it would be cool if like the microphone was good enough where you could just have your hands at your side and you could say, um, hey, assistant, and then it would do this stuff for you. Like yeah. That would be kind of cool if you didn't have to move it. I remember when I had my Moto X, mm-hmm. you could kind of do that because they set it up. I think they must have created the sensitivity like wave on those microphones. Yeah. And you could talk to it like in your pocket and it would do stuff. It didn't work great and like it was super muffled, but... You know, on a, on a watch, it wouldn't be muffled like a phone It'd be pocket. closer to your body normally, yeah. like if you're so, working on a desk. I think there's potential, but again, I think your earpods are good too. Just yeah. a you, venue that maybe is being ignored. Do you see Amazon maybe then releasing a pair of their own wireless earbuds? Like price, like cuts the price, let's say like half price from the earbuds, and it includes Amazon, like Echo. And Echo the, pods. And the other thing too is they've released the Echo technology. Like third-party manufacturers can actually incorporate it into their own speakers. Like they're doing a really crazy... Yeah approach a really open approach even i would argue they're taking a google uh approach to the echo more than google is because yeah. i want to make the argument that their api is a lot more open like you can do direct partnerships with google home but you probably have to do some type of registration and all that stuff i think echo is pretty much like a wild free-for-all you can develop your own skills for it i would totally agree they're kind of beating google at their own game i mean a lot of people point to google being so open um and i kind of I mean, they are a pretty open company. They contribute a lot to open source. But I kind of want to disagree in a couple of key ways. Like, yeah. you know, the core platform Google search is not that open, especially compared to some other platforms. Like, it's a pretty standard API. And a lot of the services, you know, the proprietary parts are not open, which is a lot like most other companies. So yeah. they're not like this king of openness like maybe they once were. Yeah. Um, and definitely with the assistant. I mean, Amazon is like that ever. So I agree. Super interesting there. Um, and like to that point, I think if Amazon Amazon doesn't make the headphones, somebody else will. Just like a pair. Can you imagine like the amount of like if they could implement that same type of wireless like bud technology for each ear includes mm-hmm. Amazon Echo and they sell it for eighty bucks. Uh, Amazon Prime only subscri- uh, subscribers. They would fly off the shelves like yeah. they would be sold out. And they already have an Amazon Echo Watch third party, so I mean it's just a matter of time. Yeah, it's just really a matter of time, but uh. I'm excited for the Amazon Echo. I think um, I was super excited about the Google Home. I still am. Um, But once again, they're doing this thing where they price it so low, like $50 for the Echo Dot, a lot cheaper than the previous iteration. Um, The great benefit is when you plug in a pair of speakers, you can also make them Bluetooth. So even if you don't want to use the Echo service or if I want to use Apple Music, I can still turn any pair of old speakers with an aux jack in into wireless speakers. That is pretty cool. And the integration, I think it was like a sign from the web, but like they added Todoist integration and all that stuff too. And you're a big Todoist user. I'm a big Todoist user. Like you can see your grocery list, your to-do list. You can ask about your calendar and stuff like that too. Um, If you do the, we're doing, I'm planning to do a six pack with some friends um, and it actually costs about $40. Forty dollars for a Bluetooth adapter that is a little bit smarter that can integrate with some of my uh, smart home stuff. I just feel like it's a no-brainer. Mm. Sounds like a crazy party you got there. Six friends, six pack of dots. We're just putting them <laughs> all together in our room and have them argue with each other. That's my end goal. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I think what they're doing is really interesting. And you know, Google kind of the key event was proliferation of AI. It was a big point for them. The reason they wanted to have their own hardware. 
And it looks like Amazon's can to kind of taking the reverse approach. They put the hardware, now they're putting the AI into it. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, they put all, they make the tech so cheap that you put in their hands, and then mm-hmm. they're kind of filling in the gaps afterwards. And they already have such an advantage with their AWS mm-hmm. um, and their engineering team. Um, they've even really invested, like, their hardware design team, like, the original team behind the Kindle and now the Amazon Echo, they have a very distinct design. We were just talking about that yeah. with the uh, Amazon Music. Um, I'm not sure if I'm a fan of it, and I'm not sure, are you a fan of it? I mean, it's fine. Like, I have no gripes with it. I think Amazon.com is a very easy website to navigate. So, like, you know, from a functionality standpoint, I think it's fine. I don't think it looks quite as polished as, um, like, Google's material design or the stuff in iOS 10. But, you know, it's fine. Yeah, in a world where they didn't have other competitors or other competitors, you know, like, UI and pop. Like, we're living in a world of choice now, right? Like, yeah. 10 years ago, there wasn't really a, such a thing as a music subscription. So whoever came out first, you subscribe to it. Um, that's how really Spotify gained uh, a lot of acceptance in Europe. Uh, but now we, there's like Pandora's releasing one, Apple Music, Spotify, uh, Amazon. Like there's so many major players and they all have such an overlap of the same library. It would take a lot for probably both of us to move away from the core platform or what we're using on our smartphones, right? Yeah, it's difficult. I mean... I guess that's the downside of the Fire Phone not taking off. It's hard to get into that platform. And, you know, even the Kindle tablets, like, I feel like a lot of those are, because of the price point, because of the colors, like, they're kind of thought of as kids' tablets, you know? Yeah. Like, they're kind of limited Android tablets. You don't know the full Google services, so they're not looked at quite the same way, which is fine again, but, yeah. like, you don't see a lot of people going all in on the Amazon ecosystem like you do Google and Apple and Microsoft. Yeah. Um, do you see anyone really switching to like the 399 um so there's like two real music tiers it's the 799 uh, for unlimited streaming 399 for echo only um and this is also in conjunction so right now if you are just a pure amazon prime subscriber you do get access to a subset of music and the library is pretty good if you download the app you can actually try it out that's what we did right before the podcast um but do you see anyone paying the 799 uh you know i i I read some tweets about this actually and um a lot of people were saying like it's not even about this, like, taking users away from the other services necessarily. It's more just, like, table stakes for being a competitive platform in this day and age. I mean, everybody has a music solution. Groove Music for Microsoft, Google Play, Apple Music, Spotify has their own thing. Uh, I guess Facebook doesn't, which is kind of interesting, but I feel like they do have some licenses for playing music in the um, news feed. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. So they have, like, you know, it's something they've considered. And then you have Amazon, and this is kind of, like, their foray into music, too. So... Um, will people switch? Maybe I could see like some people who don't have, a, you know, who just have don't really have a music plan, but they have an echo in their house and it's connected. Like I can see the value, and three ninety nine is pretty good. So I think people will do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't see it being a big Spotify Apple Music competitor, but yeah, I think it'll be so significant. You think from their perspective, like their end goal isn't to become the next um, Spotify. It's just to remain at the same level as the competitors, as like a digital service conglomerate goods provider kind I of feel thing. like the end goal for them is always to sell more prime memberships because once you get a prime membership it's so much easier to sell you all these other things so yeah. by having a music service in there it's like well I could get prime and I'd get all this that and the other thing as opposed to like maybe paying for Netflix or Spotify like yeah. I, I think it's just you know it, it broadens the market for them yeah you're, you're exactly right I'm just thinking about it like like a Netflix like their end goal is to give you you know to sell you on the $8 or the $16 and then after that there really isn't any type of extra revenue that they can get from each customer mm. by every prime subscriber coming in is like guaranteed additional revenue yeah even if they like buy one or two things um but most people like us like we buy everything right so it makes up for the cost and yeah. so 
So just get them on Prime as soon as you can and then kind of keep them there. And, like, the fact that people on the internet are already thinking of Prime is kind of, like, something the background thing you kind of just always have just yeah. speaks to that strategy. Even in college and, like, walking around, like, how many people you know that, like, don't actually have Prime, especially at that half-price point? But, like, when you go to the mailroom picking up packages or, yeah. like, when you see students ordering things, it's always on Amazon. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a biased sample because a lot of these people don't have um, – the, the means to get to a store but you're yeah. right like Amazon is the de facto the go-to and the more they can sell Prime memberships the more appealing the services are mm-hmm. so just sell Prime memberships end of the game so what do you see like next on the scope for Amazon they've done a lot of crazy stuff but like what do you see them in five years like what technologies what leader like are they going to become some type of market leader in like what space I mean Amazon's super interesting I, I think definitely the AI I mean that's a pretty obvious one but um, I think the Echo is a lot of the future of things a lot of their future. Um, uh, definitely retail stuff, obviously, too. I don't see that changing. I see them, like you said, the new delivery options, explaining yeah. new venues, um, taking on you know more and more of an aggressive approach, being a food delivery option. Um, and I think you know it'll go with home automation a lot, too. Like mm-hmm. Amazon makes a lot of sense as like the de facto home platform. You know, mm-hmm. smart fridge that orders food through Amazon. Yeah. Uh, the lights and everything that you know, you bought through Amazon. Like, a lot of these are physical goods as opposed to software goods, yeah. which all the other companies are selling. So in terms of getting, like, physical goods out, Amazon's number one. Yeah. So I think they're going to leverage that retail arm to become even stronger in a lot of spaces. Could you even imagine, I'm just thinking really quickly, but, like, maybe their end goal isn't even just to sell the Echo speaker. It's just to get people hooked, and then you license and sell it. And so every smart object that you could buy you know, a company would pay them to license that technology. And so, like, you could walk around to every appliance in your kitchen and have Alexa built in. Yeah. And it makes sense. Like, I think the more they can integrate, the more you the opportunities you have to buy things through them, mm-hmm. the more opportunities to exp- spend more on membership services. Like, they're just trying to be an all-encompassing kind of platform. I think <laughs> it's a hard question because I feel like they're going to expand in every direction as much as they can. Yeah, exactly. Like... My end goal as a consumer one day is, like, not having to go to, you know, the Walmart or the Target every single week. Like, if I can get enough of my groceries, like, at a cheaper cost, more effectively in a box to me every single week. Like Prime Pantry. Yeah, like, I hope that expands more. Like, there's so many regular things that I have to go. And, like, I honestly don't enjoy going to a Walmart or grocery shopping. I go I enjoy going to a Target for separate reasons. Um, but, like, I want Amazon to get rid of all of that. I want a box to come and have everything that I need, my coffee creamer, when I run out. Yeah. So we will see, but um, I think Amazon is definitely one of the most exciting companies in tech right now in that it's it's kind of a wild card. They're kind of going everywhere all at once. Very exciting. And, and I, yeah, I think they're sleepers too. Like we rarely ever talk about them. We talk about yeah. the two big players, but like Amazon is a major part of our lives as like consumers. Mm, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> uh, so anyway, uh, that was to wrap up our episode. Um, thank you so much for listening. Um, you can find us on a myriad of podcasting services, including iTunes, uh, Google Play, uh, TuneIn, Stitcher, and through the traditional RSS feed. Um, we're also on Twitter. I'm at Candice Poon, and Rob is at... Rob. Uh, Russo underscore Rob. Uh, Russo underscore <laughs> I got Rob. it this time. I got it. Um, and you can also find us uh, for the t- uh, for the show itself on both Instagram and Twitter at Tic Tac Talk Show. And so we'd really appreciate uh, your comments, your feedback, um, and also any ratings on iTunes. That really helps us out. But mm. um, thank you so much for listening. Yeah, thank you so much. Bye. Bye.